Welcome to Round Rock Church of Christ. We're glad you're listening. If you're in the Austin area, we'd love to have you join us this Sunday at 8.30 or 10 a.m. Or you can check us out and watch online at roundrockchurch.us. May God bless you as you seek Him, and may He use this message to give you exactly what you need. Good afternoon, church. If we haven't met before, my name is Zane Witcher. I'm the preaching minister here, although I will say I'm not sure I need to preach after what LC just said to us uh, today, because I think the word has already been spoken. Amen, church? Amen. I uh, want to begin in a second. We're going to uh, meditate just over a part of Scripture, and then we're going to partake in communion to close uh, today. And uh, if you brought a Bible with you, I'd go ahead and encourage you to turn to our text today. It's going to be in Luke chapter 3. And if you'd not bring a Bible or you're just coming because you want to recognize Jesus in this day, uh, that's totally fine as well. We'll have words that'll be displayed on the screen for you as well. As we turn that text, let me go ahead and pray for us as we open the word. Uh, so God, can you, can you just bring us close to this story, to the words that we just proclaimed? God, as we open your word, may you open our hearts by the power of your Holy Spirit. God, can you illuminate to us? Can you help bring us back to the joy that you placed in us at our first breath? May we receive that, Jesus. And it's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. There are some pictures that I argue should not continue to exist in the world. If you are the owner of a social media account, you probably know the ache of what it's like to take a picture and then regret it years down the road. I'm talking about that picture that you felt like was the perfect picture for that moment. And years later, you look back and you ask yourself, what was I even thinking by taking that picture? One of my favorite things during the year of Christmas is to actually look at the cards that are circulated of people who thought these were great pictures at the time, and now you look back, and they're not so great pictures. I have a couple of them for you just to uh, share my research today. These are a couple of pictures that trended uh, this year that were just, they just qualify as these pictures did not go the way that they planned whatsoever. Uh, Some of them will involve pets, uh, and others of them are just uh, very strange and creepy. I don't know how they got that camera angle. I'm worried about this one. I really am. This man would not be allowed in my house, okay? Or at least I would say in the name of Jesus before he came to my house. That just worries me. This one's a fan favorite every single year. If I was marrying into that family, I would run. Yep. And then last but not least. (laughs) Life doesn't always turn out the way that we picture it. There's an idea that's in our head, and then there is what actually happens in real life. And this happens in really funny ways, but it also happens in really heavy ways ways as well. When we have an expectation for things to get perfect, 
I don't know about you, but every single year when Christmas starts to roll around, I know there will be family drama coming if we are trying to make this picture-perfect Christmas moment because it never ends up happening the way that we hoped. Our souls long for the perfection that is inside of our heads. And this may be one of the reasons why Christmas is just a hard season for some of us. That some of us would love to get this service over with. We would love to get past the season because Christmas is the time that reminds us that life is not the way that we pictured it. And one of the things Christians do is if you come into this building and you praise the name of Jesus, you are coming to say, my life is not perfect. And it's not the way that I want it to be. But I come to worship the perfect one, even in an imperfect world. And today I want to just remind us of that truth before we leave here today. Our story happens in Luke chapter 3, starting in verse 1. And I want to share with you the good news that we receive on this day by looking at the picture of what it means to prepare for this day. So Luke 3, starting in verse 1. Now in the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, Herod, tetrarch, just means the leader, of Galilee, his brother Philip, tetrarch of Iteria and Trachonitis, and Licinius, tetrarch of Abilene, during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of the Lord came to John, son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. And he went into all the country around the Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And as it was written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, a voice of one calling in the wilderness... Prepare the way of the Lord and make straight paths for him. Every valley shall be filled in. Every mountain and every hill will be made low. The crooked roads shall become straight and the rough ways smooth. And all people will see God's salvation. This is the word of the Lord to us this morning. When, uh, when my family gets together for Christmas, uh, a lot of the conversations kind of feel like how Luke opens this chapter. There's a story that gets told in my family inevitably when we get together. It's called the Rose Joke. And uh, if you've never heard the Rose Joke before, I'm going to make you endure it right now. So the story kind of goes like this. There was an older man who was telling his other friends about a great restaurant he went to, but he couldn't remember the restaurant he went to. So he started to describe, he goes, the name, the name, you know, the name is kind of like, it's kind of like a flower, it's got petals, it's got a long stem, thorns, and one of his friends goes, a rose? He goes, ah, that's right. And he turns to his wife and he goes, Rose, what was the name of that restaurant? So you're not supposed to laugh at that joke. It's not that funny, but every year they laugh. When Luke wants to tell you a story about Jesus coming, he wants you to have all the names. 
He doesn't want you to just have one name. He wants you to have multiple names. Luke is stuck on names. It's almost as if it's like your great-grandfather. He can't get to the story because he's telling you all the names. And when you hear the names, you may think these are very irrelevant names to my life. But if you take in the whole picture of what Luke is saying for Jesus to arrive, you will find that these names start to become relevant to you. Let me show you. Luke not only gives you just a list of names, he gives you three categories. In verse 1, you find that Luke actually lists that there's Caesar, there's Pilate, there's Herod. He doesn't just give you names, he gives you titles. He gives you political names and titles of people in the day. And if we were to walk through history, and you can see this in the Gospels as well, that these names would not be well-appreciated political leading names. That you would find on their best days, some of these leaders were cruel, and on their worst days, they were corrupt. And Luke wants you to know that as you're preparing for the arrival of Jesus, Luke wants you to know that there are wrong political people that are in power in this day. The second category that Luke gives you is in verse 2. He tells you about the priesthood. He gives you two names of religious leaders. History would tell us that for these religious leaders of the day, for this priesthood, that there would actually be some question to their leadership. Rome would actually work underneath to make sure they had who they wanted in those seats. In essence, Luke's trying to tell you that in the day of Jesus arriving, the religious leaders had even been infiltrated with the world names of the day. There was question of are these religious leaders more interested in God's name or are they more interested in their own name? But then Luke's going to go one more category. He gives you political names. He gives you religious leader names. And then he gives you one more set of people. In verse 3, he tells you the story of John. And John's going to go around, which you would expect John to pull up to wherever the religious corruption is and wherever the political corruption is and be like, you guys got to get right with God. And John doesn't do it. John actually goes around the town and he starts preaching to the people about baptism by repentance. Just immersion of water. Which, you know, back in the day, immersion of water, it wouldn't have been an uncommon thing for Jewish people to hear about that. But the most common way was for Gentiles people who didn't grow up in God's story and wanted to be a part of it would go through baptism. And John's coming to those people and being like, hey, I know you think the problem are these political leaders. I know you think the problem are these religious leaders. And those are problems. But the problem isn't just out there. The problem is also right in here. That there's three different groups of people that need to prepare when the arrival of Jesus is coming. It's as if 
John is saying that, hey, here's the thing. You're no better off than the people who are obviously also far away from God's story. And it's one that we can't miss. If you lean in really close, you can hear the same thing happening today. It's as if John is leaning in and saying, the people may point to, it is the government, it is the politicians, it's the society, it's the culture. And John says, it may be that, but it's also right here. It's in each of the people as well. That there's corruption politically, there's corruption in the religious leaders, and there's corruption in the people who are preparing for God. And John is Advent. John says, the Lord is coming. And the Lord is coming, and that is news for all three groups of these people. And here's what John proclaims in the midst of that. He calls in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord and make paths straight for him. Every valley shall be filled in, every mountain and hill low. The crooked road shall become straight. The rough ways will become smooth. In essence, he's saying God is going to act. And God's going to act in a very wonder-filled way. In a way that humans cannot and will not be able to do by themselves. And then John drops the news that we all gather around to celebrate today. In verse 6, he sums up Christmas in one verse. And all flesh will see God's salvation. Another way this translates is just all humanity will see God's salvation. All flesh will see salvation because God came in the flesh. He became one of us to save all of us. He became human nature to save us and show us our truest nature. And today we celebrate with Christians around the world that Christ the Savior is born. This is the moment where salvation has entered the world. Yes, all the events of salvation will still need to happen. The crucifixion, the resurrection, but when baby Jesus shows up on the scene, God's salvation to humanity is inevitable. And that God is going to straighten out and smooth all of the imperfect things that are happening in our lives. There was uh, an atheist uh, scholar by the name of Bart Ehrman who uh, he literally wrote a book back in 2012 titled did Jesus exist? And his conclusion, after looking through tons of historical data and being able to compare different notes, is he said, you may have a lot of questions about Jesus, but there's one thing we don't question, and that is if Jesus existed or not. That 2,000 years ago, in this small town, there was a baby that was born, and somehow, mysteriously, God came to be with us. This isn't some story that you'd find on Disney+. Plus. This isn't just some fairy tale. All of us have to decide what we do, that the Savior of the world was born, and that He entered the world. 
And if you have never heard that news or thought on that news today, all I want to proclaim is that it is truly wonderful news to us. It's wonderful news because it gives our hearts wonder at the things that steal our wonder. There is no question that politics steal our wonder. You know, it's, it's absolutely natural for a group of people to try to organize themselves and figure out policies for a society. But the ache that we have felt over the past couple years has been the reality that, yes, we can change systems, but politics do not change and convert and heal the human heart. And as a matter of fact, they usually become the stage in which division and alienation and corruption tend to happen. But the arrival of Jesus is good news. Whether you think things are going right politically right now, or they are going terribly wrong politically right now, the good news of Jesus arriving on earth is that God is promising that God will make things right, even when things seem and are wrong. There is no question. I'm about to preach, church. I don't know if you're with me. There is no question that religious corruption does steal our wonder. I know for many of us, we have walked through a year where it's been revealed to us by religious leaders that there's moral corruption. Maybe for some of us in the room, we've been hurt by other people who claim the name of God or they abuse the name of God. And the arrival of Jesus is good news for us. Because it reminds us that our faith, our saving, is not in any people that lead us. It's in Jesus Christ himself. And he will hold accountable. And he will make right all the things that are wrong. And there's no question that our inconsistencies, our mistakes, and our failures, they steal our wonder. The Bible actually has a word for that. The word is sin. Our deepest aches, our deepest actions, our deepest inactions. We know the things that we ought to do and we don't end up doing them. And we know the things we shouldn't do and we still end up doing them. We say things to each other like, do as I say and not as I do. We are people who don't need another self-help podcast or book or life modification. This isn't fixed by a new diet or a new trend. We are people who are fractured. We are people who are sick. And we're people who need saving. One of the ways that my friend always says it is he goes, the gospel's really hard for us because it's almost like you're asking someone, do you want a piece of gum? It implies that they have bad breath. Jesus coming to the world is saying that not all things are right. That we're corrupt right here. In Jesus, God with us, is Him coming to save us from our sins. He saves us and He's with us. Even in the political corruption, even in the religious corruption, even in our personal corruption. If you don't know God, you can get to know God through Jesus Christ. Because He not only came, but He is coming again. And it's good news for us. 
Because no matter how much your life feels like it is not picture perfect, Jesus declares this isn't all that there is. No matter how much you picture life to look a certain way and it doesn't look that way, the news of Jesus arriving, it's Jesus saying, this isn't all that there is. There is life waiting for us. And there's life to take of today. If you're serving communion, I want to go ahead and dismiss you to be able to go grab the trays. In a moment, we're going to take a meal together. It's a meal in which we're taking a little bit of bread and a little bit of juice. The bread representing the body, the juice representing the blood of Jesus. And we take it to remember not only that Jesus came, but it also prepares us for the meal in which one day he will come again. If you uh, loved sitcoms in the early 2000s, there was a mystery sitcom that you may recognize by uh, the name House. Uh, it was about this medical genius who he was a little bit off of his rocker, but he was able to figure out all of these intriguing medical abnormalities and situations. And one of the episodes kind of reminds us of the condition that we all come with today. There's an episode in which Nick is his patient. And one of the things that Nick has that would terrify all of us is that Nick speaks his mind without controlling it. If Nick thinks of it, he speaks it out loud. And the only way to fix it is to go in deep in brain surgery and to be able to fix it. And the, house, the doctor, house, he refuses. He says, if I make one wrong move, this operation will kill you. And the climax of the show is when Nick is on his knees asking him to perform this because he says, you don't understand. This thing is already killing me. It's deteriorating my life, and it's also deteriorating the people around me in my life. Many of us couldn't imagine what it would be like if every single thought that you had you just spoke out loud? How terrifying is that? Many of us don't imagine, though, how in our lives, what we're thinking inside of our heads, the voices that we give ourselves to, the powers that we surrender ourselves over to, they are manifesting in our life in one way or another. The power of sin can deteriorate our lives in the lives of those around us. And the good news of Jesus is that those voices do not have to control us. The greed, the control, the insecurities, the body and blood of Jesus not only wipes the slate clean, but it also helps heal us. We don't just need a new start. We also need someone to come in and heal us. We need God to lift us up from the valley of our low views of others. We need God to lower the mountains of our pride. We need God to smooth our rough and abrasive attitudes to one another. And Jesus comes and gives of himself and destroys the power that would rule over us. And as we take this meal, it is our participation. It is our repentance of saying, Jesus, 
come heal me of the different voices that I listen to that are other than yours. So let me pray for us. So Jesus, God with us, you're the one that brings salvation and we recognize you. Can you deliver us? God, by the power of your spirit, can you turn us from the powers that have a grip on you? And may we turn to you as we prepare for your second arrival and we celebrate your first. We take this meal in your honor. Amen.